Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow as we bring you another great episode here tonight. We're talking about Richmond. Kyle Larson won the Federated Auto Parts 400 at Richmond International Raceway. It was his fifth cup win, the fourth of the year, but it came with some controversy after Martin Truex Jr. hit the wall in the closing stages. Also, an ambulance was on pit road. That was interesting. We'll talk about that and, and what NASCAR needs to do better there because that was just an embarrassment. Also, news this afternoon at from Motorsport.com about Richard Petty Motorsports Smithfield is leaving the organization. It was rumored that they would be staying there. Now it's rumored they're going to Stuart Haas Racing. We'll talk about the possibilities there. Who might go to Stuart Haas Racing? And we'll take your phone calls at 917-889-8280. But first, John, let's talk about the Federated Auto Parts 400. Uh, Larson wins. You know, he led 53 laps, had a pretty good car, but the dominant car of the day was Martin Jax Jr. led 198 of the 400 laps. Um, a controversial caution at the end of that race with three to go. Derek Cope scraped the wall if he did that. Um, and caused a caution. NASCAR decided it was good enough to throw a caution flag. I think it was to add a little bit of drama to this chase at the end of the year. Uh, instead, it turned out to be another restart and a pit stop where Larson got out before Martin Truex Jr. did, and then Larson beat Truex on a restart. Truex at the wall, and it really uh, ended what should have been another win for Martin Truex Jr. So um, what were your thoughts on that whole finish and the whole night at Richmond Raceway last night? Racing in the middle of the pack was great. Nobody champed the lead at any point throughout the night. Um, Trex was the dominant car throughout the evening. Uh, it was interesting because going into the race, that was one of the struggles. Hard to finally get close to make the playoffs, but just wasn't. Uh, Kyle Larson and John, we're losing you there a little bit, but listen, it was a it was a tough night for for Truex and uh, in the in the whole playoff field there. But listen, I mean, I just feel I feel bad for Martin Truex Jr. because I just think he kind of got robbed there, John. At the end of the day, you know, when you think about it, I mean, this is a guy, and you can say, well, he's got a lot of playoff points, and he's won so many races this year, won so many stages. What's it mean to him? But that's a ten point swing. I mean, we know how much 10 points means in NASCAR. We saw it in 1992 with Alan Kowicki and Bill Elliott when Alan led the most laps and Bill didn't, and it was a 10-point swing. Five points Bill would have gotten and five points Alan wouldn't have gotten. Uh, and that's a 10-point swing right now for this championship. So that's a big deal that the five points Larson got for winning that race and the five points that, uh, you know, Truex didn't get. So I think those two there, John, are, are, are major, major deals. Um, at that 10 point swing, you know, and, and I think when you look at it, that standpoint, I think you have to say, um, you know, what makes this is that how important is that we haven't seen this championship yet. Um, you know, we haven't seen this format yet. So it's been kind of tough because it's hard to, to say how much 10 points, and the playoffs mean, but they're going to mean the world. I mean, you know, we've seen people 
you know, uh, do strategies to get one of these playoff points because it means so much. Now, Truex is a regular season champion. You got 15 extra bonus points. But again, a 10-point swing for that championship could be huge. Um, and, and the way I look at it is, you know, Truex did nothing wrong there. I mean, he had a great long-run car, and that's what I appreciate the most about that 78 team is I think they've been so great this year speed-wise. Um, they've outrun the Gibbs cars. They've outrun everybody this year. They've been a top team all year, and they deserve the right to win the regular season championship, which they did. But to me, last night was a, an event of NASCAR just trying to make something out of nothing. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind that they were trying to sit there and go, listen, um, there's no drama going. You know, we had a 140 lap run or something like that when, when Coke banged it off the wall. And they said, you know what, we're going to go out there and we're going to create some drama here. Let's throw a caution flag and get a restart. And it's unfortunate because that's the kind of stuff that turns fans off. If I'm a Martin Truex Jr. fan, I sit there and I go, that was ridiculous. What did Martin Truex Jr. do to deserve that? What, did, what happened there? And I know people are going to say, well, if, if Coke bounces off the wall there and he drops a little debris and it cuts the tire down, NASCAR's in a really tough spot. But you can see when that stuff happens. We have cameras all around the racetrack right now. And if you really needed to look at that, you'd say, okay, yeah, there's some debris. Sure, quickly, you know, it's a split-second decision. But in that magnitude of a, of a situation, I just think NASCAR said, you know what, we're going to go out there and we're going to try and create drama. Um, and that's unfortunate because I think when it comes down, what fans want to see is a legit race. They want to see um, something that's good and pure and true, like they see in other sports. You know, you might see a boring baseball game. You might see a boring football game. I think the, the Rams won today, 46 to 9. Um, that's a boring game. You know, Sunday Night Football right now is a boring game. But it's true. It's genuine. And people don't care because they're sitting there going, I don't really care if it's not a great game. It's a genuine game. The Giants need to get better tonight. The, uh, whoever the Rams played need to get better tonight. So, and, and the fans can respect that. And I absolutely um, think that the drivers and teams need to get better. So why do we throw these caution flags to, to spice up the competition? I always look at it, and you want to compare sports – to NASCAR saying, listen, when a team is ahead 46 to 9 in the fourth quarter, saying, okay, the whistle comes out, we're going to throw a flag, the Rams are winning by too much, we can't deal with it anymore, we're going to put, we're going to put the ball to the 50-yard line, give the losing team the ball, and they're down by six. Now we got to start the game. Now it's interesting. Now the fans are going to watch. If the NFL did that, fans would turn off in droves. And maybe that's the problem. And I'll tell you another instance thing before we get John back on here is having some technical difficulties. There is no excuse. Not, and first of all, let me say this before I get on to the next tangent. Derek Cope, blame me Derek Cope for what happened last night is ridiculous. Listen, Derek's a, a and I know he just parted ways with premium motorsports. I think that had more to do with um, prior to Richmond than what, what happened at Richmond. Um, but Derek Cope's out there trying to make him trying to make laps, trying to uh, build up premium motorsports to a to a better and more competitive race team. And it stinks that he hit the wall. Yeah, it stinks for Martin Truex Jr. that he hit the wall. But he cleared off the racetrack. He didn't stay up there. He didn't do anything wrong. He went down to the apron of the racetrack when he hit the wall and said, I'm going to pull it in. 
That's on NASCAR. NASCAR is the people who look at that wreck and have to determine whether or not that's an accident and whether or not that warrants a caution. And I don't think it did. I think any race fan watching doesn't think it did. Yet NASCAR deemed it determined. Now, they also have the best interest of the sport in their mind in play there. So, you know, get off Derek Cope a little bit there. I'm sorry. I know the guy's 57, 58 years old, however old he is. You know, he's a race car driver, and he's hanging on to his career. And um, even though you don't like him and he doesn't – you know, he finishes 13 laps down, that team, no doubt. They are uh, a team that's building. They They need to get a little bit better. They're off the pace. They're probably one of the two worst teams as far as speed goes on the racetrack, but they have earned their right to race. You know, if you don't like that premium motorsports is out in the racetrack, then we need to fix qualifying. Um, again, don't blame premium motorsports because they did everything they needed to do. They passed inspection. They qualified for the event. That's why we have qualifying. So Derek Cope did nothing wrong. I want to make that clear last night. I blame it on NASCAR, just like I do with the pit road incident. The fact of the matter is what happened with the ambulance there was one of the worst things I've ever seen on a racetrack. I mean, you got to be kidding me. And the fact that NASCAR comes out and says, well, we're not in charge of the ambulance. Give me a break. I mean, they're ulti- you're ultimately in charge of opening up pit road, which was your call. And you're sitting there going, okay, pit road is open. When you see a ambulance close to pit road and you know, it's a short track. You had a look. How do you not see the the? It's not like there. You open pit road and turn in the back at end of turn three. I mean, you saw the ambulance close. I just you know, you're gonna chart. You're gonna change the way the championship is run. Matt Kenseth got very lucky last night that somebody else didn't win. Mark, or Joey Logano finished second. Had Joey Logano won that race. Matt Kenseth's on the outside of the championship. And that's very unfortunate because that would have been very unfortunate because he really didn't do anything wrong on, on Saturday night. All he did was go to pit road and try and avoid an accident that was caused by an ambulance. And NASCAR's got to come out knowing it. They got to do a better job. They got to come out and say, listen, we screwed up. No doubt they've screwed up. I don't think there's any uh, doubt in anybody's mind that they screwed up. So, they have to do a better job. David Hoops has to do a better job there. I just, I can't believe that with all the technology we have in this sport, with, you know, cameras all over the racetrack, on pit road, everything, that we can still make a mistake like that in this sport. And then NASCAR, because I thought they did a bad job today coming out and saying, well, you know, it's not really our fault. Own it. Say, you know what? We messed up, guys. Forgive us. We screwed up. Sorry to all the Matt Kenseth fans. We, we, we robbed you guys of a win. We screwed up. I think the fans would accept that. They would sit there and go, you know what? Okay. Uh, it stinks. It's not what we want to hear, but okay. We'll, we'll accept it. You know, nothing we can do about it now. But now you're sitting there when NASCAR comes out and says, oh, you know, it wasn't really our fault. Now you're sitting there going, are they serious? Like, they're going to blame the ambulance guy in this. That's ridiculous. Um, so I just think it would make the fans feel better, especially Matt Kenseth's fans who had absolutely every right to be annoyed last night. And, and listen, I give Matt Kenseth a ton of credit because if that was me, I would have gotten out of that race car and just obliterated NASCAR until I couldn't speak anymore. And he handled it like a true professional. 
like a true gentleman, like a true guy who loves the sport of racing and did everything Brian France wanted him to do there. Um, and I'm sure deep down he was infuriated. I don't know how he couldn't be. Um, but I give Matt Kenseth a ton of credit there. I think it was an unbelievable job of him to go out there and uh, just sort take the high road. I don't think there would have been a lot of guys in the sport to do that. 917-889-8280. If you want to join the conversation on Talking Circles, Clayton Caldwell here with you tonight. Uh, Kyle Larson was your winner. And listen, Joey Logano had a good race. Um, he was in the top 10 for most of the day. Uh, you know, I think he did a, a very nice job there. Um, and just didn't get the win. But, you know, it was an interesting race at Richmond. Uh, it, a lot of controversy there, John. What are your thoughts on the controversy as far as the uh, the caution with Daryl Cope's concerned? I know Cope's getting a lot of flack for it. To me, he didn't do anything wrong. He's out there running around. Again, I always say if you don't want these guys on a racetrack, they qualified their way in. They passed inspection. Cope's got his NASCAR license. He did everything he needed to do to be on that racetrack. Don't hate the driver. Hate the, hate the, the qualification if you don't want NASCAR, if you don't want him to be on a racetrack, if you don't like a guy being 13 laps down. People complain about starting park drivers all the time. We hear the, the fans, that's ridiculous. They shouldn't be out there. He's running every lap, at least trying to. And yet he bounces off the wall. But to me, this ultimately falls on NASCAR, John. I think it does fall on NASCAR. I think the way they've changed uh, everything up with the, um, the way they have things set up with the charters and everything like that. You've got a team like Premium Motorsports who's out there trying to do things. And you've got Derek who's trying to keep a career going. <clears throat> one of the things he's 13 laps down with three laps to go. You're not going to make up 13 laps. I think if you're 13 laps down, when there's 13 laps to go, just pull in. What's it going to, I mean, how are you going to change your day? You're already back there 37, 38. I mean, when he wrecked his car, he didn't lose a position. So I mean, when you get to that point, get out of the way, let the race put itself out. I don't mind them out there trying to do what they can to build their team everything that they're doing. It's like when they're far behind, and it's not like he's 13 laps down because he was in an accident. He's 13 laps down because he's two seconds behind the field all night long. I think NASCAR needs to up the minimum speed to make sure that everybody's eligible, I mean, whatever they are on the track, that they're not in the way of everybody. I think the minimum speed needs to be increased. I need I think whenever you're 13 plus laps down or whatever, when there's 13 whatever laps to go, pull your car in. Or if you're so far down with 20 laps to go, pull your car in because if you're that far down, there's a reason you're not qual- you're not running fast enough to be competitive. Let's make the race finish worthwhile. Oh, no doubt. I think uh, when you look at it, you have to sit there and say, you know, listen, I, again, I don't like to blame Cope. I think Cope's a, 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 you know, again, he's out there doing the best he can each week. And I just think when you look at it from that standpoint, John, it is something that he qualified his way into the race. And I, and I know that you sit there and you say, what, who cares? You know, we, the way we do qualifying now is with charters and all that kind of stuff. And I agree with you. But there's no rule saying he can't be out there. Um, 
And I don't mind it. You know, th- th- these things have to start from somewhere. Right now we have an, a, a major, major problem with the big owners owning, completely owning this sport, completely, uh, you know, completely in a, a place where you look at it and you say they have control over everything. And these teams have to start somewhere. Now, Premium Motorsports has gotten a little bit of an influx of cars and stuff when Tommy Baldwin got there. He just recently got there last week or two weeks ago. And so Baldwin, I think, is going to try and change the mentality there where they haven't run good for several years of premium motorsports. There's no doubt about that. I think Baldwin's going to try and change that mentality. I think that's part of the reason why Cope's not going to be there in, re- in the coming weeks. Um, but again, I don't like blaming him. I think NASCAR did a horrible job there at the end of that race. You know, and they, and I, I guess it's part of safety, but they looked for reasons to throw excuses to throw cautions now well back in the day they didn't um they they kind of sat there and said we're gonna let these races play green but run green but it definitely helped the drama at the end of that race it definitely helped everything john to throw the caution there it did help the drama at the end of the race um and the one thing martin truex really he has to, he can't he has to look in the reason they lost i mean they lost um they lost the race because the caution came out and everybody came in for tires. But his pitcher lost to Kyle Larson. He did not come out in first place. Kyle Larson had a main choice. And Kyle Larson took the bottom lane and drove away. I mean, matter of fact, if you look top four, I don't even know if Kyle Larson burped the gas at all. I think whenever he was coming out of four, he dropped the hammer and kept going. He might have started before the restart zone because that, that boy was up to speed almost at the start-finish line. He was going to give everything he could. I mean, he's been doing great at not getting snookered on the restarts like he used to. I mean, and the last two times that Kyle Larson has won a race, he beat Martin Trex on a restart. He did that at Michigan by coming from fourth through the middle and winning the race at Michigan. He did it again here at Richmond. I think Truex has to look inside at the team. I mean, they can gripe and moan and complain about Derek Cope hitting the wall. They shouldn't have thrown caution. I did see a brake rotor fly. Jeff Burton said he saw a brake rotor fly. I saw something pop up whenever the car hit the wall. And it wasn't just that he scraped it. I mean, he hit the wall pretty hard. So that's one of the things, when they throw a caution for that, yeah, it's safety. Because, I mean, you never know. There could be a cut tire. He could end up coming down the field and taking out 10 cars. So it's, it's a safety move for NASCAR. I don't blame David Hoots for throwing the caution flag there. The one I do blame David Hoots for being stupid on was whenever Matt Kenseth threw on the brakes to keep from hitting Danica going into one, and brake smoke came up, and tire smoke came up, and nobody hit anybody, and he's got a caution going in the first stage. It's just one of those things that the race director, it's a no-win proposition, but he had a bad night Oh, he really did, John. I think when you look at it, you sit there and you say, especially about the um, the ambulance. I mean, that ambulance thing was it was atrocious to me. I mean, and I know they're going to sit there and say, well, we're not in control of that guy. And ultimately, they are. And, they, and to me, if you want to err on a side of caution to not screw up the championship, you know, don't open up pit road there. I don't know how you can do that and sit there and go, that's a sm- – oh, and, and maybe they're getting pressure from from the fans by saying we don't want to see these cars run under caution every uh, all these laps because of the new uh, stages and all that. 
But, I mean, that was ridiculous. And, and it cost Matt Kenseth. Clint Boyer even got a lot of damage. I don't think his car was right. Joey Logano's car was never right after that. Um, so, I, you know, it's a shame that that's what it comes down to, you know, the regular season. And I don't think it costs uh, Boyer the, the playoffs because when you look at what Boyer's done, uh, you know, he hasn't had a spectacular year. He's been better than I than, – I think he's been pretty close to what you expected in that car. Um, but – you know, he's got to win. He had 25 other race chances to win that to win races this year, and he didn't do it. Um, so saying it came down to a pace to a, a ambulance at Richmond, the reason why Clint Boyer didn't make a championship, that's a little much to me. But, you know, Matt Kenseth had a chance, I think, to win last night. Um, I don't know if Boyer or Logano did, but I think Kenseth did. Kenseth had a really strong car, got a little off on adjustments, and that's why he got back there to be where the, the ambulance, you know, to, to be in the core in effect with the ambulance. But at the end of the day, he shouldn't have been taken. That shouldn't have ended his night. You know, he hit, uh, I forget who it was in front of him. I think maybe been Boyer put a it hole was through Boyer. his radiator. Yeah, put a hole through his radiator and uh, really ended his day. To me, John, that was, I mean, that was just insanity. In 2017, with all the cameras we have, with all the technology we have, how, how do you mess that one up? That was, again, like we said, David Hoots had a bad night last night. Uh, the ambulance driver, yeah, they don't have control of the ambulance driver but they have control whether or not they open pit road or not. And Boyer may not have won, but throughout the night, Boyer was fast. I mean, he got that early penalty where his crew jumped over the line and put him back at the end of the longest line. He was back up into fourth place whenever that pit stop happened. And it crunched the rear end of his car, it crunched the front end of his car, and he wasn't the same the rest of the night. Then they had another uh, penalty later on where they had a tire getaway, which really caught in the night. But, I mean, Boyer was competitive. I mean, he came up through the field twice to put himself in a position where with 175 or so to go, he was in the top five. He was sniffing things out. I don't know how anybody would have caught Truex throughout the night, but Boyer was giving everything he could. And I think if he would have got up there, he probably would have done what Denny Hamlin did I mean, Denny's was a racing deal with Truex where you could see the brake, the brake smoke come on where both of them got hot into turn one and Denny just couldn't do anything about it. But I think, and Boyer said in an interview with Jeff Burton before the race, he said, if I'm in place, am I going to plow through nine cars to get to the win? No. But he said, if I'm in second, I'm apologizing because that win makes the playoff, that win your season. So, Boyer had already had a plan, and he was moving through the field. I mean, you look, Kurt Busch ran great in the 41 car all night. He was in the top five most of the evening. Harvick was a little bit off, but Boyer and Kurt Busch both ran really, really well at Richmond last night. So you can't really say that Ambulance didn't cost Boyer his chance at the playoffs, but it should put a dent in it. I don't think there's any doubt about that, John. I think when you look at it, you say um, it's it's a tough situation to be in um, for Boyer and, and Kenton and those guys. And, and it's unfortunate, you know, that, it, again, it's just so unfortunate that it came down to that. And I feel bad for those guys who built that race car. And, and you're right, Boyer had a fast race car because he did come through the racetrack several times. But, you know, track position is such a key here. I don't know if he would have been able to get the track position to get up there. 917-889-8280 here talking in circles. Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow here with you tonight. Um, let's talk about the, the you know 16 drivers who made the chase. 
Martin Trix Jr., Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch, Brad Kozlowski, Jimmy Johnson, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Ryan Newman, Kurt Busch, Casey Kane, Austin Dillon, Matt Kenseth, and Jim McMurray all made the, the playoffs what we used to call the chase. But what I want to focus here on, John, is the guys who missed this chase. Uh, the big-name drivers, you have Clint Boyer, who we mentioned, Eric Jones, Joey Logano, Daniel Suarez, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, of those drivers who missed this chase, if I would have told you coming into 2017 that those drivers would have missed the chase coming into the year, uh, who, who's the biggest surprise for you um, of those guys who missed the chase this year? Biggest surprise, Joey Logano. And as we talked last last week, uh, we asked who had who's had the uh, – we looked at best and worst of surprises and surprise good, surprise bad. Joey Logano, without a doubt, I mean, that team has not been right since they got their encumbered finish. It written the first time when they won the race, but tech inspection two days later. They just weren't right the rest of the year. I would never have thought Suarez or Eric Jones. I mean, there was a shot Eric Jones would have made the playoffs. I never thought Suarez would because I didn't think he was really ready yet. But Jones, that's a slight surprise. Uh, Boyer ran better in the 14 car than Tony Stewart did. Um, and if it would have been a normal year where there's 10, 11 winners, Boyer makes the playoffs. I think it's more of a surprise of some of the ones who won to get in. I mean, Casey Kane. He was fighting 20th, 25th in points and won a race, and he's in the playoffs. Um, and that takes away a good car. I mean, if you think about it, Joey Logano was far back that he wasn't even the one spotted out. Clint Boyd was the one who just missed when it comes to points. Um, since the encumbered finish at Richmond, Joey Logano's team just was off. And they never recovered. I mean, they did finish second last night. They had some issues throughout the evening. They were a fifth-place car most of the night. Uh, you get Truex out in the wreck and a couple others when there's – and Denny's spinning out of the way. Yeah, Joey was, had a chance to make a pass to get the second, but there was no catching up to Larson. And nobody was going to catch up to Larson after that restart. But Joey Logano by far is the biggest surprise of not making the playoffs. But you have some prizes making it. Austin Dillon winning at the Coke 600. Um, Ryan Blaney winning at Pocono. Ryan Newman staying out on tires to win at Phoenix. I mean, the fact that somebody other than Hard won at Phoenix is a surprise, but the fact that it was Ryan Newman on old tires. Stenhouse pulling off two wins. Both of them are restrictor plates, but the fact that Stenhouse pulled off two wins as far as Roush Fenway was out to lunch last year and at times this year, those are some cars that you really wouldn't have thought would have made the playoffs that are in there, and you have some really good cars sitting out. Yeah, it's crazy to me that you look at it and you say um, that Rash Fenway, you know, I made a prediction earlier in the year that I thought Rash Fenway Racing was going to have two cars in the chase. Obviously, that didn't come to fruition. I thought Turbane's effort in that six car last night was absolutely dreadful. Um, uh, Stenhouse, who qualified pretty good, he qualified eighth. He didn't run very good either. Uh, Roush, I think, has put a lot of effort in on the mile and a half program, and rightfully so. You can look at it and say, well, that's where the bread and butters are. That's where they got to run good. And they put a lot of money into the restrictor plates, as we've seen with Stenhouse. He's had fast race cars all year there this year. Uh, even Bain has had run good on, the, on their plates, but they've kind of neglected, I think, short tracks. And Last night, I thought if Bain, you know, he's got a win to get in. He was awful last night. I mean, 
25th is not going to get it done. He was what two, three laps down all night. It was just a little bit of a, of a disappointing run there for, for those guys. And I, you know, put up with some effort, please. You know, we even saw Dale Hart Jr. Who has had a really, really tough year this year. They put up a pretty good effort last night. You know, the car, I don't know if they could have won, but they were definitely a top 10 car all day. Um, and that's something you like to see at least a step in the right direction where they sat there and said, we, we did all we could to make this chase the night at Richmond. Uh, Bain, I was very disappointed in. Um, so I, I think when you look at that, um, that's NASCAR. I mean, it, it's amazing how, how one win changes the game right now in NASCAR. And you talk about it, you know, the surprise of, the, of those guys winning. Um, and I completely agree with you. But I do think I've seen some really nice things from Eric Jones this year. Daniel Suarez has, has turned a corner and he's done a little bit better here. Um, it's going to be an interesting chase. And we'll dive into the chase a little bit more on Wednesday on talking in circles here. Um, so overall, John at Richmond, what were your thoughts on the race? I mean, it was kind of lackluster, you know, there were some uh, interesting controversies, but what were your overall thoughts on the actual race at Richmond international raceway, excuse me, Richmond raceway last night before we move on. There was great racing in the pack. I mean, they were getting to it fifth, sixth, tenth. There were two, three wide throughout the track. But it gets clear, runs away from everybody. I think one of the things that Richmond showed us was the internal issues with the 88 car. I think Dale Jr. talked about it at his press conference on Friday. He said everybody had to do a little more this week with Greg Ives out on suspension because of the two lug nuts that were missing at, uh, that were loose at Darlington. He said everybody got more vocal. And he's like, hey, why the hell weren't you doing this all summer long? Everybody's trying to step up and do more, and they're all giving their opinions and everything. But nobody did that throughout the year. And Greg Ott is out there on an island trying to figure all this stuff out when the engineers aren't saying anything to him. I think going forward, you might see decent Dale Earnhardt Jr. the last 10 races of the season. And it'd be nice because I don't want to see Jr. going out in the 25th place finish or a 30th place finish or back where he's been running in the 20s and 30s. I want to see Junior go out in a decent uh, way. But that's where I think the biggest thing we learned at Richmond was there was some internal strife or something not right with the 88 car because it seemed, I mean, with the crew of the 88, the engineers, Greg Ives, that nobody was communicating enough. And you, you saw it last night. Everybody's communicating. The Junior's up there in the top five. I mean, he was running decent, better than he's run in the past six weeks. And it was do or die. I mean, he wound up not making it, but he put a respectful effort up there. And that's one of the things that was good to see. The, your main people who had a chance to get in, who everybody was looking forward to have a chance to win and get in. Eric Jones ran really well. Clint Boyer ran really well until the uh, pit road incident. Um, Kenseth ran great. Jamie McMurray was just floating around back there. I think he was playing conservative to make sure he didn't wreck or anything. But, I mean, the people who were trying to get in on wins, Logano was up there in the top five most of the night. They gave it their all. But it also showed that there's Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern and that team, and everybody else is trying to catch them. Yeah, that's the way it's been all year. I mean, I think when you look at what Truex has done, you know, a lot of people point to their success and say, well, they do uh, good on mile and half tracks and, uh, short tracks, when we get to the short tracks, this team's not going to run very good. They've taken that narrative and completely destroyed it and just completely shredded it 
because um, they've run good everywhere right now. And they are the favorite, I think, to win this championship. But, again, we're going to dive into more of the championship run here on Wednesday and talking circles, who we think is going to win a championship, who we think is going to be out in the first round, and give our chase predictions and stuff like that. And have a lot of fun with it Wednesday night on Talking Circles. But, um, you know, it's been a great year for Truex. He deserved to win a uh, regular season championship. And I think there's been nothing but, uh, you know, you can be nothing but happy with how that team's performed if you're a Martin Truex Jr. fan. 917-889-8280. Clayton Call, John Harlow with you here on Talking in Circles. Clayton, before we go to the next season, this morning, John, um, and I'll read it word for word here. The first part of it, uh, Lee Spencer on motorsport.com had it first. Uh, it says, after a handshake agreement between the and the King, RPM was informed that Smithfield will not return to 20, in 2018. Smithfield has been sponsoring number 43 Richard Petty Motorsports car for several years now. Negotiations have been ongoing since February, but talks cooled after the team proposed Daryl Wallace as the new driver of the 43 car. The company is expected to move to Stuart Haas Racing next season. Uh, earlier this season, the rumor mill had Smithfield leaving RPM with Amarola for Stuart Haas. However, the latest development has put RPM's plans, including driver selection, in a holding pattern. So there's a lot to to discuss here. Um, you know, Bubba Wallace will run a, a an Xfinity Series race for Richard Petty Motorsports uh, at Chicagoland, sponsored by Nickelodeon, one of, I think, nine cars in the weekend, uh, sponsored by Nickelodeon and Bubba Wallace was about the 98 car, which is a Richard Petty Motorsports affiliated team. Um, so it shows you what they think of him. Uh, Smithfield sponsored Amarola. They're very, very happy with how, what he does off the racetrack. Um, but this is big news here because with the sponsorship landscape here, John, as, as tough as it is, um, Richard Petty Motorsports and he's, this team who uh, had a two-car operation two year, last year now has a one-car operation with no sponsorship next season. They're in a really, really interesting situation. And they ran, found out very late. It's not like it's June and they announced that they weren't coming back. It is late in the sponsorship progress. And that means Richard Petty and Andrew Merstein are going to have to go out and really push to find some sponsorship. If they really had to, Andrew Merstein could put um, Medallion Taxi on there or Medallion Financial on there and – run the car to keep it going and keep uh, Richard Petty Motorsports in business because Andrew Merstein is a billionaire um, investment banker. I mean, investor, all that stuff, hedge fund guy. He's got money that he can spend if he really wants to do it and keep the team active until they find a good sponsor. Um, I think, and you and I, I noticed this whenever you and I were talking quick today, what does this say about Bubba? I mean, he's a charismatic kid. He runs well. He ran just better than Eric Almirola did in that 43 car when he was in there. I think <clears throat> there's just something where, I don't know what it is, but nobody's willing to step up and sponsor Bubba Wallace. He ran great when he ran for Kyle Busch Motorsports, and a lot of the sponsorship on that truck was Toyota because they were trying to develop young drivers. And then when he went to Roush Fenway, they'd have some sponsorship, but there's a lot of times Ford was on that with the EcoBoost sponsorship. And they closed the doors this year because they only had enough sponsorship for a quarter of the season. And Bubba wound up in the 43 car for a little while. And then we were thinking maybe it was going to be a two-car operation, 43-44 coming back because they had that charter that GoFast is leasing this year. That maybe they were going to keep Almirola and then add Bubba in with possibly Nickelodeon or somebody else sponsoring him. 
I think one of the things that also you look at, it's a buyer's market for sponsors. You're going to look and see who is the highest ranked car sitting there right now without sponsorship. Clint Boyer's sitting up there and just missing the chase, and he's got probably about six, eight races of sponsorship on that car, a few from Rush Truck, Rush Truck Centers, a few from Mobile One. Everything else throughout the year has been Haas Automations on that car. You look at the 10 car, you don't know who's going to be in it next year. It's probably not going to be Danica. There's a shot. It could be Matt Kenseth. And if you have a chance to put your name with Matt Kenseth going forward, that you have a chance to get a your team in the playoffs, because Matt Kenseth's going, he's going to be playoffs issue. Runs in that 10 car next year, I almost guarantee he'll be in the playoffs again. He's a solid driver. If you want to hit your wagon to Bubba Wallace, who's unproven, He's run four races in the Cup Series. Or do you want to hit your hit your wagon to Matt Kenseth, who is a series champion, who's won a ton of races, and does get into trouble. He's good with sponsors. He's good with equipment. And he's good for a team. I'm going to hit my Matt Kenseth over Bubba Wallace every day of the week and twice on Sundays. I agree with you, and I think that that's the, that. There's a lot to dive into. You talked about a lot there, but you know, first let me talk about Bubba Wallace. And I said this when it was announced he was going to take over the 43 car. I thought that was gonna that was one of the worst things that could happen to him because of the fact that he was going to be sitting on the couch uh, in the second half of the year when Eric Amarillo came back, and that's what he's doing right now. Yeah, he's he ran, won a truck race, um, running that 99 truck. You know, and he's running the Xfinity Series race here at Chicago in a couple of weeks. But I like seeing young kids have seat time. I like seeing him consistently in a car. And the fact that Rash Fenley couldn't sell sponsorship for a guy, an African-American driver, with the Driver Adversity Program, with how much publicity that would have gotten if he won the championship when he was in the top 10 in points and having a pretty good year. Um, the fact that they couldn't sell sponsorship for that was really scary to me. And I said, boy, you know, he hasn't been to victory lane yet in the Xfinity series. He's got to get the victory lane. He's got to get there often this year. And I thought if he ran the second half of the year, he would have come close to doing that. Um, but he wasn't going to win a cup race. So running those four races in, in, in the cup series for a decent organization, which Petty Motorsports was kind of a head scratch to me. How people thought that was a win for him because I thought his season was gone when he lost his Xfinity series ride. And so to me, Bubba Wallace is an interesting. He's in an interesting situation. Um, he's a. He's a. Like I said, he's a good kid. Um, I think he's got some talent. I don't know if he's ready to win big time in Cup right now. I, I want to see him perform in the Xfinity Series. I want to see him how he does in the Xfinity Series a little bit more. I know he's run two and a half years there, um, but I want to see him do a little bit better and, and win on a consistent basis before I sit there and I say he's the next big thing. To go to the other skit side of the spectrum you know look look about smithfield here for a second i mean i know eric amarola has been a driver over there for a while and they like what he does off the racetrack but they haven't been very competitive smithfield a couple of years ago they said we're going to ante up here we're going to pay a lot of money we're going to be a big time sponsor for richard petty and the king in this team and we're going to throw it all all we have at eric amarola and his 43 team and Amarola off the racetrack has performed exactly how you expect a driver to do he's done everything well he's done you know, smiled and in front of the cameras and signed autographs and been genuine with the fans. He's been great. 
Um, but on the track, they haven't performed very well. You know, last year they were okay, the 43 car. Uh, you know, and, and excuse me, last year they were horrible with, with the two-car operation. The year before they were okay. This year they got off to a, a decent start before Marola got a back injury. But they haven't won at a consistent basis. They haven't been a big-time team. They made a chase one time, and that was because he won it at Daytona. They haven't made a chase really since then. And I think Smithfield wants to expect a little bit more. And I think they're looking at it going, hmm, for the same price we sponsored a 43 car the last couple of years, we get a car at Stewart House Racing. And, boy, the drivers of Stewart House Racing, we might bring Amarola, who we feel, if, Smith, if I'm Smithfield, maybe they feel he's a, a, a driver who needs a big time, a better seat. He can make the chase. Or Matt Kenseth. Now, the other thing I would worry, worry about me about Matt Kenseth is his age. I don't think he – I think he hasn't lost a step. I think he can still drive. But if you're a sponsor, a new sponsor, getting with a new driver, you would want to see – you would not want to be attached to a, to a driver for five, six years. And I don't know if Matt Kenseth wants to run that long. Um, they're going to make the chase, no doubt about it. I think they're going to make the chase with Matt Kenseth, like you said. I think he's got so much skill. He's great. But if you're going to spend money, you want to do it in a way where you can latch onto a guy for five, six years like they have with Amarola. And I just don't know if Matt Kenseth is the guy to do that. Um, but what do you think about, John, about maybe, you know, Smithfield sponsoring Clint Boyer and bringing in Matt Kenseth with a Haas sponsorship for a couple of years? What are your thoughts on that? I think that's – I mean, either way, it's a good possibility. I'd rather hitch my wagon to Clint Boyer. I mean, take away the last two years for Clint Boyer because running for um, – running the 15 car last year for um, – H. Scott Motorsports was a disaster. The year before, Michael Waltrip Racing was a disaster. But before that, I mean, you look a couple years, a few years ago, he finished second in points for Michael Waltrip Racing. He ran well for Richard Childress Racing. Tony Stewart picked him to take the 14 car. Now, granted, he would have rather had Kyle Larson first, but he picked Clint Boyer a year ahead of time to be in that 14 car. And Tony is a pretty good judge of talent. Um, he's the one who handpicked. He's the one who pushed for Kevin Harvick to come over. He's the one who's working and helping guide Cole, uh, Cole Custer as he goes through the Xfinity ranks. And he has turned into a nice little driver. There are some really good things. I mean, you look, Rick Stenhouse Jr. There's a lot. And he picked Clint Boyer to be in that 14 car. Uh, the sponsorship hasn't gone as well as planned, but it's a, I think Clint Boyer wouldn't be a bad guy to hit your wagon to. He's won a lot more races than Eric Almirola has. I mean, Eric Almirola is a good little driver, but he's not somebody you're going to stop and go, wow, Eric Almirola's in the race today. I need to watch it. The only thing is with Eric Almirola, especially driving for Richard Petty Motorsports, who's a mid-pack team. And it's a one-car operation now. And there's nobody to share information with. They get their chassis and everything from Roush Fenway. And Roush Fenway struggled for a long time. So do you want to take your chance of spending your $10 million with Roush Fenway? Or do you want to spend your $10 million with Stuart Haas Racing? Where you're going to get on a car, either the 14 or the 10, be an associate. And everybody's going to have you on his uniform. You're going to have the entire – you'll have Tony Tony Stewart as a spokesperson for you. I mean, I think that's the way to go if you're a businessman. But 
I mean, again, when it comes to the Bubba Wallace thing, I mean, I really feel bad for Bubba because he did do okay in a mid-pack car. He, he actually ran better than it normally runs, but it didn't. I mean, it just said, okay, I'm just here for the ride. I want to, I want to show my face to somebody, and somebody, please pick me up. And it's just not there. Yeah, that's the unfortunate part. Is that it's not that he just, you know, doesn't have a ride, a cup ride for next year. He might not have anything next year. And I don't think he's earned that. I don't think he's been so bad where you sit there and go, well, Bubba's out of a ride. Um, you know, we're seeing it right now. He's having trouble finding a ride for the end of this year. And that's unfortunate. I want to see these kids grow. I want to see these, you know, I think he's got, it can help NASCAR in a lot of ways. Um, but there's just not a lot of rides open right now. Sponsorship scarce and losing Smithfield here. I think it's a big blow for Richard Petty Motorsports. Uh, you talked about the team as far as, they're a solo corporation. You know, they had two teams last year, a big-time sponsor with Albertsons before Brian Scott moved away and retired. Um, and now they're in a situation where they could go to next year without a sponsor, with a new manufacturer, and a new shop. They're going to be putting a lot of money out there. Um, Richard Petty can still sell. I think Richard Petty, the, the name is still a big name in NASCAR. I think they'll have a sponsorship next year in some capacity. But it really makes you wonder, you know, if Smithfield doesn't like Bubba Wallace, who, who really, you know, how can, how can you sit there and sell him to somewhere else? You know, if I'm Nickelodeon or somebody looking at Bubba Wallace, I'm going, well, why is Smithfield, a company that's been in the sport for over 10 years and sponsored a driver and a team for over 10 years, why are they getting out? Why are they a little shy of Bubba Wallace? What do they know that I don't? That would make me a little weary here, and that's that's the tough situation that poor Bubba Wallace is in. But you know, let's say Stuart Haas Racing, for example, here, John. You know, they're going to have, I think, a pick of drivers here. You know, again, well, do they want to go with Matt Kenseth? That the short-term answer, Matt Kenseth, would be great. The long-term answer could be Amarola. They could go somewhere else. We don't know. Um, You know, but what do you think if if it is indeed Matt Kenseth, who a lot of people have have talked about? Uh, being in that tank car next year, if they do go Matt Kenseth, where do you think Amarola ends up? I mean, you know, there's not a lot of options right now. The 77, I think, is out. You know, a lot of people still talk about that ride as being open. We haven't heard anything yet from that with the last 10 races. I don't think we're going to hear anything as far as them running next year. Bonnie Visser didn't seem too excited about that team running next year. So I think the 77 is out. Uh, What do you think Amarola's best prospects are for 2018? Uh, As sad as it is, if Childress runs a third car, which it doesn't look like it's going to do, um, that's a possibility. Uh, Front Row Motorsports a possibility because, I mean, they usually go year to year. I mean, David Reagan's been respectable. Landon Castles continue to improve some, but he's had some races where he's been a dart without feathers. Um, there aren't any good rides sitting out there saying, hey, I'm here for you. And you look, Roush Fenway's at their two um, two cars, and Trevor Bain's in there because he's got Advocare behind him. He brought that sponsorship with him whenever he went to the six car to go up to Xfinity, and then they brought it up to Cup with him. Um, I don't know where Eric Almirola's going to end up. I don't know where Bubba's going to end up. I mean, this is a musical chair year where there's more drivers than there are seats instead of 
good drivers finding quality seats and then real, I mean, crap drivers finding, fighting for the crap seats. And one of the things you look at whenever you, we've been talking about sponsorship, let's look at some of the big name sponsors who've backed out of the sport in the last five years, Home Depot, Dollar General, both gone for the 20 car. Um, You've seen Smithfield saying, okay, we're not sure where we're going to go right now. It does indicate they're going to Stuart Haas, but nothing's been official yet. Um, Farmers Insurance, Great Clips, going away from the five car. Um, I mean, Pepsi's really backed off to like five races a year now. Budweiser's really backed off. They're pushing the Bush brand, but I mean, they're only on Harvick's. John's is. Aaron's, whenever the controversy went, five-hour energy is probably going to go to, it's either going to stay at Furniture Row, which I believe is where it has to be. I don't know if it can switch cars. I know it can't switch organizations and go with Jones to the 20 car. So it's either going to be on Martin Truex's car or five-hour energy is going to go away because Monster is the title sponsor. And then again, we don't know if Monster is going to pony up and still be on the 41 next year. So you've got a lot of sponsors, big name sponsors who've been part of the sport for a long time to weigh because they don't see the return on the investment. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you another company. I mean, other companies here, UPS. I mean, I know they weren't very um, competitive with David Reagan there for a while. And, you know, they suffered through the early years mm-hmm. of Michael Walter racing with Dale Jarrett, missing a lot of races before he retired. And they ran with David Rudiman. So they spent a lot of money for only a couple of wins there in about eight years. But that's, that's just, you know, especially when you look at it and say they have a competitor in the sport with a bit premier operation with FedEx and Joe Gibbs racing. Uh, that's a little alarming there. I think UPS is a, is a big time sponsorship. You mentioned the home Depot, same deal there. You now Lowe's is out there winning eight championships, seven championships, eight championships, whatever you want to say. And, you know, Home Depot is completely off the race car. Now, again, they lost Tony Stewart, their guy, went with Logano and struggled for a little bit, but it, it's alarming. And Smithfield, they're going to stay in the game. I don't know how far they're going to stay in the game, but they're going to stay in the game, which is a good thing. Um, but, you know, look at a sponsor like 3M. You know, they, they moved from Greg Biffle, which where they were on full-time in that 16 car, and now they're on, I think, Chase Elliott for a handful of races. Um, you know, Kellogg's was a company that was in the sport for a long time. They're completely gone. Uh, they weren't the Carl Edwards for a race or two there. You know, uh, after leaving a five-car quest, which is now Advanced Auto Parts, they're gone completely from the sport. Um, so, And we haven't seen too many sponsors take a big, significant step into the sport that have never sponsored a car before. Um, you know, I think one sponsorship, when you look at it, and it's done a significant amount of races, is Dow Chemicals. They came in and, and did a significant amount of races for a premier team with a three-car uh, Sunny Delight's done, done a, a bunch of races with Ricky Stenhouse Jr., which is nice to see. Um, and so we're getting sponsors through other avenues. And I think as the sponsorship money goes down, you might see that, you know these NASCAR sponsorships reach down to other sponsors. As far, uh, NASCAR teams reach out to other sponsors. Um, but there's a trickle-down effect. You know, he brought up 5-Hour Energy, and that's an interesting sponsor because people forget where they started they started at Rusty Wallace Racing with Stephen Wallace. Um, and, and they have made their way all the way to the Cup Series into a big team. They were Clint Boyer, won a couple of races with him. They're running really good with, with Eric Jones right now. So that's where that company was born. And I think 
that is where we need to get the – it's scary where you sit there and go, as we lose Xfinity Series teams, you know, these big-ton companies, not a lot of them come in and throw a ton of money at, at, at sport and say, let's hope it goes well. They sit there and they do one or two races with a mediocre team like we saw with, with Five Hour Energy, um, and they say, okay, we like the sport as well, and then they spend a lot of money. But we haven't really seen a sponsor come in other than Dow Chemical put out 18 races at a clip without ever being in a sport before. So it's, we're in an interesting time, no doubt about it. And I think uh, these next three or four years, we're really going to see if this sponsorship landscape's changed or not, but just by the amount of sponsorships we get back. Well, you also have Target, who's been with Chip Ganassi forever, both in IndyCar and Cup Series, and you've got their driver, who's won four races, the ultimate uh, young gun spokesperson for the sport going forward, and Target's decided to pull back to go to soccer. So, I mean, you've seen some major sponsors pull away and nobody's really stepping up to the plate. And if you look down at the Xfinity series, there's really not a whole lot of big time sponsors down there waiting to come up. And you've got Bass Pro Shops, a few races on the three, but they also are on the 78 with Truex. You've got um, everybody at Dale Jr. brings their own sponsorship with them. I mean, Elliot Sandler's got one main financial um, Michael Annette has um, the truck. Sto- I mean, the truck stops. Uh, I forget the name of it. Um, Michael or um, Justin Allgaier brings Brant with him. I right. Mean, so every, and William Byron brought Liberty University with him. So pretty much everybody at Junior Motorsports, the driver brought the sponsor with him. It's not like you can go out there and poach it. And that's a big time. And that's a big time Xfinity Series team. That's a real interesting part about it is, you know, that's a, a team that really uh, runs well in the Xfinity Series, wins races in the Xfinity Series, and they still have to have drivers who bring sponsorship there. And that's a scary situation, um, you know. And, I, and you hear Xfinity Series owners all the time say we're spending more money than what we're getting back. Um, and that's why this ownership deal is very curious to me because you sit there and you go. Is it really uh, what is it really a good thing as far as that we have Joe Gibbs Racing, you know, uh, in the Xfinity in basically the Truck Series of Kyle Busch and in the Cup Series? Um, you know, I think these big time owners have really taken over this sport. We haven't really seen a, an alliance with Hendrick Motorsports yet. Um, there's talk that Levine Family Racing is going to be that alliance next year. But that's kind of sounds like talks may have cooled there. Casey Kane might go there with the five car. But, you know, these teams are, are really – these big teams, you know, you look at it and you say Hendrick Motorsports makes engines for eight teams. Uh, Roush Fenway makes engines for every single Ford team. Uh, Toyota Development makes engines for all the, to- the good Toyota teams. Um, so, you know, the, just combining everything has been such a difference in this sport in the last 10, 15 years. And hopefully that changes a little bit. NASCAR put in a new engine rule this week. We saw that where they're they're not allowed to, uh, you know, only I think 13 races they're going to use different the same engine in next year. Uh, also, the the engine this year that's run at Talladega will be the same engine that teams will run in the Bud Shootout next year. Um, what do you think about those rules, John? As NASCAR is trying to save the costs. Um, and using these engine rules and everything that's going on there, uh, everything that was announced this week, also, you know, backup cars um, will be a backup car. If you bring a car to the racetrack and hits the racetrack and you wreck it, 
and you go to a backup, you're going to start at the rear of the field. Um, so what are your thoughts on all that, all the news that NASCAR made this week with the 2018 rule changes? I think the uh, engine rule is going to be very, very interesting. Um, supposedly they're going to seal it up and <clears throat> make sure that they can't do anything to it. They'll unwrap it whenever they put it in the engine, um, put the engine in the car. Who's going to be there to watch them do it? I mean, that's one of the things who's going to, are they going to, is NASCAR going to hold the engines and give it back to them when they get to the racetrack the day, the day before and make them come to the racetrack a day early to put the engine in at the racetrack. Or is NASCAR going to give it to them and they watch them put it in at the shop? That's going to be interesting to see. Uh, the engine rule doesn't make a big deal to me. Uh, we'll see how it goes. They said they could build those engines so we're indestructible. I mean, you look, we rarely see an engine failure as it is. Um, they're running 100 miles or so in practice and 500 miles during the race. And all they end up, most of the time, they end up tearing them apart, putting them back together, or just changing the valve springs and all that. So that's the one thing I'm waiting to see is how, I mean, you see a valve spring is a $4 part, and it can break very easily. It may change the dynamic of who ends up um, being able to stay in the top 30, who ends up being able to win races, because the second time on that engine should be interesting to see. I think it ought to be one of those ones where if, somebody's going to run the second engine or the second time the engine has to be run. NASCAR should pick the race and everybody runs the same engine instead of you picking which race it's going to be. There might be 15 cars with the same engine that they ran two races earlier. It might be 40 cars with the same engine. I think if they should all have the same engine, if they're going to do this, because if they all blow up, then we show that NASCAR made a big mistake. Yeah, I think it's an interesting rule change. I think NASCAR is trying to cut down the cost of those big teams and other smaller teams as well, where, you know, you don't have to buy as many engines throughout the year. Uh, teams are basically saying, I think, the NASCAR prevent us from ourselves. Um, you know, we, we spend way too much money on our engines and everything like that. So help us with that. And they put in this rule. How's it going to be? It's going to be very interesting 2018. Uh, and we're going to see it right off the bat with this uh, clash at Daytona, as they call it now, the advanced all parts clash at Daytona. Um, we talked about Wednesday shows earlier, John. Uh, we're going to preview the chase. We're going to talk about our, our predictions for the championship. Uh, each, we're going to go through each round and, and talk about who we think is going to advance. Um, we're going to talk about other news in NASCAR as well. We'll preview Chicagoland, an interesting – uh, thing here you got to keep in mind is Chicago will be moving dates next year so this is the final uh, first event of the playoffs for Chicagoland they've been in for the last five years so next year they're going to start with uh, I think Las Vegas next year they're going to start with after moving Indianapolis to the season finale so keep that in mind as we go on this is the final Chicago race so we'll preview that on Wednesday at 10 p.m. on Talking in Circles um, good night, everybody. Like us on Facebook and like us on Twitter. Good night. Before we shut down the show, congratulations.